welcome you to Alger Assembly of God and Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, we, we remember the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We remember the Holy Spirit descending upon the church. And we, we talk about this power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about power, there's a lot of different things that come to mind, right? I know, you know, each of you have your own thoughts, and, and for some of you, you know, you're just you're thinking about your biceps. I know, I know, it's, it's hard for you to just not think about those strong, muscular biceps, right? Every, every, every you know, wife is, is thinking lovingly about her husband's strong, muscular biceps. Maybe you've seen some of those, uh, and I, I glanced upon it recently, they had arm wrestling championships. I, I'm not sure that I was aware that they had officially sanctioned arm wrestling championships. And, and it was sanctioned both for right-handers as well as left-handers. And what you saw were some of these guys, and, and some of them were just huge hulks of, a, of individuals. Some of them were maybe not the largest of guys, but their arms were just, just strong, and, and you would see them kind of grab onto the table, put their arm or elbow on that table, grab the hands together, and try to pin the other person down. And that was one display of power. So we've seen in the physical body our strength. That's, that's one display of power. For others, maybe it's a car or it's a truck. It's, it's a, a vehicle that you own or a vehicle that you've driven in. And just the thought of kind of putting the pedal to the metal, right? You, you just floor it and you hear that engine and you feel that vehicle just surge forward. You think, ah, power. Now, for some of you young people, maybe not driving yet, uh, maybe we, we think of um, like a, a riding lawnmower. You put the pedal to the metal and you hit two miles an hour. Now, that was, that was me right around uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, before driving. But whatever the case might be, we have concepts and ideas about power. It might be the power of a jet airplane. If you've flown and uh, you, you get into that seat and you get prepared for liftoff, now, just a commercial airplane, it gets going pretty fast, right? And you kind of put your head up against the, the upright, and that airplane kind of leans backward and just shoots into the air. Whatever the case is, I'm positive you and I have some various thoughts about power. But this morning on Pentecost Sunday, as we take a look at the power of Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit descending upon the church, the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit available for you and I, we're going to be taking a look at the power of Pentecost. And, and I'm thankful uh, Thankful for our, our leaders and the Assemblies of God. A number of our leaders put together resources and materials for pastors and for churches. Uh, and so a number of the things that we're looking at this morning came from some of our leaders. Uh, George Wood as superintendent, Alton Garrison assistant, Doug Clay, former uh, network superintendent who is now at our national office. They put together some resources and things, uh, hopefully to be able just to encourage the body of Christ. So here's where we're going in the next number of minutes together. As you've seen, we've kind of 
reshuffled our service so that we're going to have plenty of time at the end to pray, to seek God, to flood the altars and believe that if individuals are here who have not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe you're going to have that opportunity. I believe we're going to see people filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be taking, first of all, kind of a, a look through a number of things, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not, followed by a few brief thoughts about the power of Pentecost, and then a few brief thoughts at the end on what are some practical instructions when it comes to receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the direction we're going. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And we're going to see God work and move in hearts and lives. So we hear about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We hear about Pentecost Sunday. What does that mean? What is it? What is it not? First of all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is biblical and not spooky. Just get that out of the, box. Uh, get that out of the way, right? We hear about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, depending on uh, the Bible, the, the version or the translation you have, it might read baptism in the Holy Spirit. It might talk about baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you start hearing the word ghost and Holy Ghost and baptism in the Holy Ghost. And sometimes people's thoughts venture to Halloween and ghosts and goblins. When we are talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Ghost, we're not looking at something that is out there and spooky. We are looking at something that is grounded in the Word of God, that is biblical. It is a pattern from the New Testament church. And in our time together, we're going to be taking a quick tour through a number of scriptures. So have that pen and paper handy to, to jot those down and look at those. But when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is not going to descend upon an individual and somehow override the control and control an individual like a robot or like a puppet. It's, it's not something that is spooky in that regards. What we see is it is the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the power of God, helping us to speak in a language that we don't know. It's God working through us. But it's not as if somehow we are overtaken. God is using us and uses our mouth, our lips, our vocal cords as we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. So first of all, this is something that is a biblical teaching. Secondly, it's the second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. What do we mean by a second work of the Holy Spirit? What we mean is this, at salvation, when you and I come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the Holy Spirit who draws us to the Lord. And at salvation, the Holy Spirit then comes and dwells and lives within us. Here's how Romans 8, 9 puts it. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So when we belong to Christ, when we are a Christian, we do have the Holy Spirit living within us. But there is a secondary, a subsequent, a separate 
work of the Holy Spirit that we might talk about as the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. What we see in the book of Acts chapter 8, the early church saw this very specifically. And when they had heard and when they knew of individual Christians who had received Jesus Christ into their hearts, into their life, they made that commitment to him. But yet they had not received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's what they did. They sent leadership to pray. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 and following. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So these were individuals who had accepted God's word. They'd committed their hearts, they'd committed their lives to him, but they had not heard or had not received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they sent leaders, they prayed, they laid hands on them, and yes, they were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. So understand, it is a separate and distinct work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we don't have the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us. We talk about this as the baptism of, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, a separate work. Let's move to a third thought. The initial physical evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues, speaking in other languages. And that's kind of the, the wording that we might talk about when we say initial physical evidence. What does initial mean? That means first. That means at the beginning That's what takes place that very first time. Physical. It means this is something that we can see or hear or observe. It's a way to know that something's taken place. And then evidence, well, it's it's proof. It's how we know that somebody has received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to take you through a, here's where the jet tour of the book of Acts comes in. The book of Acts, there are five specific examples of individuals being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at them briefly and quickly. So we don't have all of the verses down. I'm giving you the chapters as we look at them on the screen. But here's the five instances. So instance number one. Today is Pentecost Sunday, so Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 it says... All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The initial physical evidence was that they spoke in other tongues, they spoke in other languages that they did not know, that they had not learned. Acts 2.4 specifically states that. Drop down to Acts chapter 10. They're at Cornelius' house. Verse 44 and following it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. 
Now, there is this, we'll stop here, there's this distinction, Jews and Gentiles. Jews were God's chosen people. They were trying to follow the law. They were trying to follow all these teachings. Gentiles are everybody who were not Jews. But many of them were responding now to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the Holy Spirit, there, there were no distinctions between who could receive. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, as many of these Gentiles were, they were being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, and they thought it was kind of interesting. It said, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God, and Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they gave their lives to Jesus in salvation. They were prayed for. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they were saying, hey, let's get them baptized in water as a public identification of their life with Jesus Christ. So Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, specifically stated. Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house, specifically stated. Acts chapter 19, the church at Ephesus, verse 6, says, When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So you get a third very specific instance as we work our way through the book of Acts that they received not just the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but that specifically it states that they spoke in other languages, they spoke in other tongues. Now there's two other ones that don't specifically state tongues in this text, but we're going to share with you why that is. Acts chapter 8, the church in Samaria, verse 17, it says... Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So we hear that, and we say, it doesn't say tongues. How can we be sure that this was tongues, that this was the initial physical evidence? Well, later on, what we see is there's this man by the name of Simon. He's a sorcerer. So he's dealing in some of the dark magic arts. And he sees what's taking place. In verse 13, he says, Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So here's a man who is into sorcery, and he's following the disciples, following the apostles, based on what he saw and heard. And in verses 18 and 19, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So let's logically think about this. Simon, a man who's into sorcery, is impressed by what he sees and what he hears, in other scriptures, that has specifically said that when they laid hands on individuals, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. Simon the sorcerer sees that when they lay their hands on him and others, that they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He was so impressed by that, he wanted to pay for the opportunity and the ability so what we would do is we would look at this and say, this is an implied instance of tongues. He saw and heard something so specific that it was 
baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues so much that he wanted to pay for that opportunity and privilege. And then the fifth one here in the book of Acts is Paul's own experience, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, again on the road to Damascus, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we say, okay, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I don't see any mention of tongues. Well, Paul writes a little bit about his own experience with the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, Paul himself, in writing about it, says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So it's implied in two specific instances based on the data that we see around it. And in three specific instances, it is word for word that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues, spoke in other languages. So that is what the biblical pattern here is in the book of Acts, as well as what we see God continuing to do in our hearts and in our lives. That initial evidence first thing that's observable to see and to hear is someone speaking in another language, another tongue that they don't know that they have not learned. Let's continue on with our thought about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Fourth thought is this. It's not the same exact thing as the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it lists a number of the gifts of the Spirit, things that the Holy Spirit would give to Christians, to believers, for the building up, the edifying of the church and the church body. We've seen and experienced that in our church services where God would move upon someone's heart and upon someone's life to speak out in a tongue. That is the gift of tongues in a public setting. And then that individual or another individual, God would speak upon their heart to give that gift of interpreting that tongue into our common language. Here would be English. And that is for the body to be built up. We might hear that and think that that is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that personal walk, that personal filling of God with us. And then as a result of that, some of that language and that process that God has baptized us with becomes a prayer language that we can connect to God to communicate with Him in that prayer language. So that is a personal communication of us to God. The gift of tongues in a corporate worship setting is for the building up and encouragement of the body of Christ. Fifth, baptism in the Holy Spirit is an instruction. Now, many times we can tend to view the baptism in the Holy Spirit as kind of that optional add-on. Here's what we see in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What does God desire? What does He want? That's what he's saying. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, 
Be filled with the Spirit. He's saying, what is God's will? It's to be filled with the Spirit. It's that instruction for us to follow. Now, in many cases, I think baptism in the Holy Spirit has kind of gone along the side, much like water baptism is sometimes along the side. Where Christians will say, I gave my life to Jesus, so I'm good. I'm going to sit down, and that's it. Yet it's an instruction for us to follow. We are instructed, we are commanded to be baptized in water. And yet we are instructed as well to seek and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. Already, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, whether that's for a number of months, a number of years, or a number of decades. But if you're a Christian and you've not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're going to have that opportunity of seeking morning as well as night in our area service and believe that God would give that gift, which is number six. It is a gift for every believer. In Acts 1, 4, Jesus on one occasion while he was eating with them, meaning his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. He instructed his disciples to wait for the gift. It was an instruction and it was a gift for every believer. It is for the Christian. You need to have Jesus Christ in your life first. Just as in water baptism, water baptism follows salvation. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is something for the Christian, for the believer. It's that second work of the Holy Spirit. Luke, Jesus in Luke 11, 11 and following puts it this way. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You see, when we talk about or we think about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, think of it as the gift and not as the spooky thing. We hear spirit, we hear baptism in the Holy Ghost, but this is purely a gift of the Father that Jesus will baptize through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that scripture. If you have kids or if you have grandkids, you love to do good things for your kids. I don't know of parents who say, boy, I, wanna, I just want to get them something that's going to make them cry. You, whether it's a little trinket or an expensive toy, it doesn't matter what it is. You want to do something that blesses your kids. And he says, if you then, talking to all of us, if we, even though we're evil, we're sinful, we mess up. Hello, we mess up. If we know how to good, give good gifts to our kids, 
how much more our Heavenly Father, how much more doesn't He want to then give and bestow the gift of the Holy Spirit upon His kids, believers, Christians? So in a little bit as we get to that part and we're going to invite you to come and to pray, it's a gift. We're going to give some principles or some things to think about, but there's not a list of do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll earn your way to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. We can come to the Father and we can ask that he would give that gift to us as his children. That's how it works. Now, we're not the ones that give the gift. We can receive it. So if we ask for the gift, and maybe we don't receive today, and we hear somebody else, wow, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, why them and not me? It's a gift. Continue to seek. Continue to desire that he would give that. Number seven, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a shortcut to spiritual growth. This isn't, okay, I'm going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that way I don't need to go to church, I don't need to read my Bible, I don't need to pray, I don't need to worship, I don't need to do this obeying thing. I'm just going to, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I'm good to go. It's not the shortcut to spiritual growth. Again, it's a gift. It's a gift for every believer. Reading God's Word helps us grow. Spending time in prayer helps us grow. Connecting with other believers in, in church and in worship and in fellowship encourages us and helps us grow. So it's not the shortcut. Next, it's also not a spiritual status symbol. It's not a spiritual status symbol. Sometimes you might have that thought. Whether you're someone who has been baptized in the Holy Spirit or whether you're someone who has not, sometimes the mentality can be it's, it's the status symbol. Understand this, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you've received that gift and you've had that initial physical evidence by speaking in other tongues and in other languages, that doesn't make you super duper Christian. You don't receive the cape and you can fly faster than a speeding bullet. It doesn't make you super Christian. On the other hand, if you're here this morning and you've not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that does not make you second-rate Christian. There's no status symbols. It's simply a gift that he desires to give his kids. Wouldn't you want to receive the gift from your father? So it, it doesn't give us some kind of ranking above or below it's a gift he desires to give to his, his children. The final thought in relation to the baptism of the Holy Spirit is know that it's not a one-time only event. When we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and, and maybe for some who've, maybe it's been a while since you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, or for some who would be baptized today, whether that's this morning or this evening, it's not something where we, where we take out our our spiritual Christian application and we check the box for Holy Spirit baptism and say, I did it, I'm done, no more. It really is the beginning of that relationship. It's the beginning of that closeness 
in the walk with God. As he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, it's that language we don't know what it is. We don't understand that. But that can become the basis of praying that language, which we don't know, and maybe praying some of those words or phrases or sentences or syllables, and we're not really sure what that is. We begin praying that in that heavenly spiritual prayer language to the Lord. So it's not just a one time, I did it, I spoke in tongues, I'll just never do it again. Let that be the beginning then of that connection and communication to God on a regular basis. So those are a number of things. What the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, what it's not. Here's some brief thoughts about the power of Pentecost. Acts chapter one, verse eight reads like this. Familiar one we've heard. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, when it comes to the power of Pentecost, more powerful than that muscle or muscle car or airplane engine, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of, the Pente- uh, power of Pentecost Here's what will take place. The power of the Holy Spirit will help you to be more than you are. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon us. We will be equipped. We will be empowered with the Holy Spirit to be more than who we are, what we are, in and of ourselves. Help us be more than we are. Second, Baptism in the Holy Spirit will help us to say more than we know. So in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost comes. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in other tongues and other languages as the Holy Spirit gives them utterance. The Holy Spirit was helping them in what to say. In fact, later in the chapter, Peter spoke. Peter preached. And in his own language, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he preached and spoke with a boldness for the Lord. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. A witness testifies about what they've seen and heard and experienced. You and I are empowered to share that gospel story to share our story of what God has done in our lives. We're equipped and empowered to say more than we know. Maybe some of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've seen or sensed as you've gotten into a conversation with a a family member or a friend or a co-worker, and all of a sudden you kind of felt God nudging or God just kind of dropping into your heart some thoughts or some scriptures or this or that, and you start sharing and you get done and you think, where did that come from? I didn't think I knew all that. I mean, I knew those scriptures, but I didn't think I knew them. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's the Holy Spirit empowering and equipping, sometimes bringing to our remembrance things that we have learned or studied. Maybe we didn't really have it memorized, and the Holy Spirit just kind of, boy, just flows off our mouth and our lips, and, and we're speaking God's word, or we're speaking some encouragement, or we're 
whatever the case might be, the Holy Spirit will help us to say more than we know. The Holy Spirit and the power of Pentecost will help us to do more than we can. How many of you know in our own strength and our own power, we're not so powerful? Jesus has left us with a pretty incredible job. He didn't title it this, but we've titled it the Great Commission. Jesus didn't say, come here, I have a great commission for you. He just said, go ye into all the world. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Jesus. Like, the whole world? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Wow, it's a pretty big job. I don't know if I can do it on my own. On our own, we can't, but empowered and equipped in the Holy Spirit's power, we can. Our own resources, they're not adequate enough. The Holy Spirit will help us be more than we are, say more than we know, do more than we can. Final area or segment briefly before we invite our worship team back up is this. I want to give just a few practical thoughts on how to apply and seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've said that it's a gift. So understand that there's no definite that if you do A, B, C, D, and E, that equals automatically baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's not a formula. But here are a few principles that are biblical principles that we can be encouraged to seek after. First of all, we've got to repent, confess, be cleansed and free and forgiven of sin. Particularly if someone is not a Christian, well, they need to become a Christian before then seeking and receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I invite you, and a little bit later as we transition from the message into a couple of songs of worship, I'm going to invite you to prepare your hearts and say, God, clean me. God, forgive me. I want to be pure and holy in your sight, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the very first time. Or maybe you'd say, God, I want to be pure and holy in your sight to experience that fresh touch, that refilling, if you would, of the Holy Spirit. So let us be cleansed and forgiven, be clean in his sight. Very practical step. Second, ask in faith. <clears throat> Again, in that scripture, Jesus from Luke eleven thirteen, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit... To those who ask him. Ask. Ask in faith. We don't demand it. We can't say, I want it and I want it now. We're not the giver of the gift. But we can ask. We can say, God, you've promised this gift to your children. I'm a child of God. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I've not experienced this gift would you give that gift? If that's you this morning, I'd invite you to do that. To be cleansed and pure, to ask in faith, have that sincere desire to say, God, I want what you have for me. Thirdly, 
yield to God. Surrender and submit to Him. Understand what yield mean, uh, what yield means. Yield does not mean that he comes upon us like a robot. He comes upon us like a puppet, and we all of a sudden lose control and lose function of who we are. We speak in other languages, other tongues. That means God's using our lips and our tongues and our, our vocal cords. It's the Holy Spirit through us. It's hard to define or describe if you've not experienced it. But all I can encourage you with is when you yield and surrender, he will do just that. He comes alongside of, he partners with you. It's using your mouth, but as we yield and surrender, other words will come out that we're not aware of what they are. It's in conjunction power of God using us. Be clean, ask in faith, yield to God, and then speak in faith. Again, that that flow of of heavenly language, uh, many times it's maybe a, a word or phrase. And if you've never experienced it before, that word or phrase, it, it doesn't really sound like anything because it's not a language we know. And so maybe you start to say something, you say, well, that didn't make any sense, and so you stop. That yielding and that speaking out in faith says, okay, God, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be speaking in another language, another tongue that I've not learned, I've not studied. This isn't me speaking Spanish. I took Spanish in high school. I still remember some things. This isn't me somehow trying to pull out a few words of Spanish and then pass it off as God doing something. It's not that. It's saying, okay, God, I'm open to what you have, and as you fill me, I'm going to speak out those words or phrases or sentences that don't make sense to me because I've not learned this language. But I'm going to speak that out in faith. And as we do that, oftentimes, maybe that word or phrase or a sentence kind of gets repeated. We say that again, and, and sometimes in that process, another word or phrase or sentence comes. But if we stand or, worse yet, sit with arms crossed and say, okay, God, I double dare you to fill me, not going to happen. We come willingly to the Lord. We say, God, I ask in faith. I'm yielded to you. I've sought to be pure and clean in your sight, and now I'm going to speak out what you give and how you fill me in faith.